Five wins and three losses is the record. This is the Seatown Rivals podcast presented by BQ Enterprises. Check out bqenterprises.com where all of your legal needs can be handled from A to Z. Ralph Amzen, Chile, along with Brett Quintown, where we talk football at the 3A, 4A, and 6A levels. Fellas, before we dive into what we have come to love together, tell us about something you guys did away from high school football since we last met. Uh, <laughs> Even if it's just chasing your kids. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, Eddie Van Halen passed away last week, and uh, I didn't. I wasn't a big Van Halen fan. Um, I was kind of late to the game. I worked for his ex-wife, Valerie Bertinelli, oh, wow. before we started this podcast. In fact, like getting fired by that company is what led me to start Sea Town Rivals in the first place. Like on the same day, same day that that's right. June twenty fifth, two thousand twelve. So. Um, I used to work for uh, for a company that was funded by Valerie Bertinelli, and we all went to see Van Halen. And oh, wow. by that time, her son, Wolfie, was the actual bass player. So it was like a father-son situation. And then David Lee Roth was back um, as the lead singer. And that was... That was a lot of fun, and that's when I, I first started to get into into Van Halen because like my experience with Van Halen is like hearing jump at NBA games during okay during right. the jump ball. So like my kids are um, they're playing guitar a couple hours a day, and so um, it's been pretty cool the last few days them watching just like different YouTube videos of Eddie Van Halen playing live, and um, and then them trying to to imitate do what they bit. can with with um, you know. Uh, which is impossible. It's like trying to imitate Michael Jordan in the driveway. Um, you know, you, you stick your tongue out and brick, brick <laughs> right. a fadeaway, but it's not. It's you know. It, so that's been pretty cool. Um, just spending the last week uh, with my kids, kind of showing them that music and and them getting a respect for it. And, and that's basically been the whole year because it's like every fifteen minutes, uh, a musician happens. passes yeah. away, and then so we just go through their entire catalog because we're sitting at home doing nothing. So that that's been my week. It's been a week of uh, of uh, Van Halen. Good stuff. And Chili, how about your last seven days? Shoot, just uh, watching some college football, watching some pro football, uh, playing with the squirrel in the backyard because I officially have a squirrel in my backyard now digging up holes. Uh, and uh, other than that, not too much. Just uh, trying to, you know, stay close to home and, uh, you know, stay out the way. Um, Absolutely. You know, one day of shopping a week for me. I'm trying to, you know, mask up everywhere I go, trying to uh, make sure that we don't have more uh, cancellations and things like that. So... I'm trying to do my part. No, you're absolutely right, my man. Good stuff. So we'll begin with the Seton Catholic Sentinels. They were defeated by the Ironwood Eagles 47-6. to Tough going for Pete Walheim's club as they managed just six points for the second straight game. Bright spot in the offense is Marek Sycamore, the running back who found the end zone. He also rushed for 110 yards. Chili, I'll ask, we're waiting on the youngster who transferred, left, and is back, but... For the time being, it looks like they did find a bright spot in the running game. Yeah, the important part is that they uh, found the end zone, and um, Ironwood's really good. And also, I, I, they were playing up. Ironwood's a 5A team, and they're super talented with uh, their quarterback and their athlete, Bubba Faison. Um, Willie Haskell's a dude, so like, I think this is like kind of like running into like you know Mesquite and stuff, um, who they actually like, I guess beat. But mm-hmm. um, you know. It's just a tough matchup right now, especially since they're waiting for their superstar athlete to come back, and all those games are challenging. But in a shortened season, somehow you got to try to figure out ways to, you know, get over those humps. So, you know, two more games, 
two more games and uh, Mikey Castro comes back and we'll see what Seton really is. And, you know, in the meantime, they just got to try to grind out a victory here and there. Absolutely. And they head to St. Mary's this Friday night to take on a St. Mary's Knights team that is coming off a 33-12 win over Vista Grand. The Valley Christian Trojans, they got it done, Ralph, with a 21-7 win over the Phoenix Christian Cougars. Ralph, three different Trojans found the end zone, including Caden Margisak, who had 133 on the ground. Defense, though. Mm -hmm. That defense, though. Phoenix Christian, um, they're not to be taken lightly. And you you know, you might say, well, Phoenix Christian, that's you know, that's 2A, but they have a tough 2A team. Yeah, they've had some out. choice athletes. They got a coach um, who, you know, won a title. At, at Joy and and has had Phoenix Christian, you know, competing for championships uh, since he showed up. You know, I guess this was a kind of a rivalry um, for Valley Christian back in the day, and they're hoping mm. to kind of reestablish it. Um, and I had actually heard that uh, a couple uh, there, there's a member of Valley Christian's coaching staff who's a Phoenix Christian alum, and so that this one felt pretty good for him. Uh, I'm excited about them being two and zero. I'm excited about them finding a way to get a win because I, I was watching that game for a little while and it was 14-7 at, at at one point um, and it looked like the momentum was starting to shift. And not only did Valley Christian shut it down, they tacked another one on. Uh, I think that they should be really proud of this victory. Not too proud. Mm -hmm. You want it to serve as momentum and not something that you rest your season on. Correct. Um, but you know, for for them to start two and zero is huge. For them to get quality wins is huge, and uh, for them to beat Phoenix Christian feels pretn't good. Indeed, that was a quality win, Chile. Yeah, no, um, I know. I know Ralph was talking about it a little bit last week and stuff, and uh, and offline. Um, I don't want to say I'm surprised, but it, you know, uh, anytime you can beat a team like Phoenix mm -hmm. Christian, you know, it's a good thing. And I'm just you know never sure what to expect from Valley Christian. You hope for the best, but you know. We've seen the darker times for them. Um, you know, big win versus uh, Phoenix Christian, and uh, just keep it rolling. And shout out to the Valley Christian. They they put uh, ArizonaVarsity.com up on the video board for the whole game, like oh, through the, the the score ticker and everything. So that was pretty cool. That is very awesome. And the always tough one win one loss Winslow Bulldogs come to town on Friday. We'll see if Jake Peterson's team can improve to three and zero. The Arizona College Prep Knights, they shut out ALA Ironwood 54 to nothing. Most lopsided win in school history. Chile, Mark Chavez with a pair of touchdown passes. Bryce Chin with a pair of touchdown receptions. But more so, we see Richie Williams break off for 123 on the ground and a pair of scores. I think the amazing thing is that this team uh, scheduled this game at like 3 o'clock on Friday. And uh, Coach Blue was working hard to make sure that his uh, boys could play and not have to deal with uh, an unexpected bye week. Um, the pandemic is creating all sorts of uh, issues uh, mm -hmm. with scheduling for a whole lot of teams. And, you know, ACP was able to, you know, uh, without being able to scout a team at all, get a, get a, you know, what I'd like to think of as a quality victory just because, you know, they put the, you know, donut on the scoreboard and uh, scored a ton of points. Uh, Bryce Chen is a kid that, you know, I've said for a while, has to be like the X factor for them on offense. And if he goes off, the whole offense goes off. So I'm super impressed with the, what they got going on over there. Uh, Coach Blue doesn't really surprise me because, I don't know, not, not being able to scout a team and beating them this way, I think, it's, I think it's a big sign of, you know, what's to come for them. Ralph, I'm big on special teams. Um, a few years ago over at Basha, Becca Longo was connecting on extra points for the Basha Bears. Bella Schroeder. 
female kicker for ACP. I think it's really cool, and she's getting a lot of work because they're scoring a lot of points. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. That'll, you know, it's one thing we've we've had female kickers at Marcos Deniza at Perry. You know, obviously everybody knows Becca Longo because I think she's the first female to accept any type of scholarship mm-hmm. money um, to to play at the next level. Uh, but there's nothing better than when your team actually gets to roll you out there. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've, we've definitely we've had female kickers at schools that don't necessarily score a whole lot of points. Um, so yeah, that's a fun storyline. The other thing is. Um, when you establish what your identity is as a team, you can do stuff like schedule a game four hours before you're supposed to kick off because you know who you are and you know who you're going to be and you're not being reactive. You're, uh, you're a thermostat, not a thermometer. You go out and set the temperature. You don't take it. And so um, that's who this team has become under Myron Bluford, and I'm excited to see more of it. And they're going to head up to Payson this week to take on a Longhorn team that has allowed 91 points in two games. The Castile Colts, with another one-point win, 25-24 victory over the Higley Knights. Isaiah Newcomb had himself a game. Seven catches for 206 yards and a pair of scores, including a 90-yarder in the fourth quarter that wound up being the difference. Chile, I know you want to talk about the UCLA commit, but first give some props to that defense that held Higley to just a field goal in the second half to propel that comeback. I mean, they're tough. Uh, you know, just last night on the two-piece, I talked about uh, Connor Clinton and Corbin Cantrell and Kennedy Erlacher being uh, one of the nice safety combos uh, in the state. Um, they, they just got a lot of guys that chip in. Kyle Pointer's a dude over there. Uh, Shaquan King Bowser. Um, he's absolutely legit. Um, this defense, you know... They got a lot of long athletes that can, you know, do a lot of things. So I can't say I'm I'm too surprised by the outcome. But these cardiac Colts, you know, my man uh, Dane Christensen coming through, you know, uh, under pressure and you know making it happen. So what they got going on there, you know, there's one addition to the coaching staff that I uh, kind of pointed to and given a lot of credit to my man uh, Paul McGlure, PJ, uh, super electric out there and. Um, always has like a high volume of energy mm-hmm. and I think he's a perfect compliment for uh, coach Newcomb who's so cool and calm and reserved and you know they balance each other out really well so. kind of like you said you and I I'm cool calm yeah, and yeah, reserved yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you're, and you're cool and calm in a louder way right 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 and you know I just turned the volume up a little bit and I think that that's what McGlure does for uh, coach Newcomb and I think that it's amazing out there and I think these kids are really able to uh, find the energy and balance it because uh, they're so mature. Brock Dew, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, Dane Christensen, Isaiah Newcomb, all of them, like they're able to harness this this calmness and this high energy that are coming from, you know, two different places. Ralph, 2-0 and meets 2-0 and this week. They host the Queen Creek Bulldogs on Friday night for what I believe is the first ever meeting between those two schools. Yeah, that's uh, that's huge. That could end up being maybe the top game of the, of the week. Uh, I'm definitely excited to, to see um, two teams that have sort of mastered making adjustments. Mm-hmm. There's going to be huge tests for Castile. I don't. I don't think that anybody expects them to win this game, um, especially after what happened at Williamsfield last week. I mean, that was complete domination by Queen Creek. Uh, but the true test of this team is whether or not they walk onto that field intimidated from the from from the get-go you know there was a minute when when uh higley was up 21 to 13 at the Mm -hmm. half um when you you wondered was castile going to be able to do the same thing for two weeks in a row what we talked about on this podcast last week was were they going to be able to run the ball 
And I don't know if you guys saw it, but they closed out the game by running the clock out. They mm. closed that game out by running it out. And it was Knutson on the ground, 16 carries for 72 yards. And a little, I think a little two-yard carry at the end that was probably the most important to make sure. sure they got the first down and they could kneel the clock out. To be able to take a knee on Higley, I mean, that's... That's big, yeah. That's, that's massive. Huge. And, um, you know, the, the defense, you know, Pointer and Bowser both had three tackles for a loss. Um, they had uh, six sacks total on the game, three quarterback hurries. And they deflect its um, nine passes, nine passes that you know that, that could have done a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of damage. And so their defense in the second half not allowing a touchdown from Higley at all, and then their running game being able to close them out. We're seeing that this is a complete team. And for the first time, I put them on my uh, my ocho, my prediction of of who could make the the final eight. Because even if they lose to Queen Creek, I think that's going to end up being. Um, a really, really big game as far as strength of schedule. Absolutely. And I, I don't see Higley losing too many more games, and I think Boulder Creek has a chance to run the table from here on out. And if those things happen, then that puts Castile in a position where, you know, three years ago we were talking about them playing in the 3A championship mm -hmm. and them them skipping the 6A playoffs altogether to go to the Open. That would be pretty wild. That would be very, very impressive growth. And I just continue to be wowed by the composure and leadership of Dane Christensen. I think he's a very, very special quarterback. Absolutely. And as we've said about this team collectively, just a very complete team and very solid on both sides of the ball. The Basher Bears, they came up on the short end to Corona del Sol 28-24. One of the best games of the night, as Coach McDonald explains during our one-mile bear walk. I'm walking the Bear Mile with Coach Chris McDonald, the head football coach of the Basha Bears. And Coach, you guys played arguably what was the game of the night across the valley. You came up on the short end, 28-24 to Corona del Sol. Walk us through the contest if you could. Uh, I, I think that um, our kids, we made a lot of progress. Um, you know, Corona, Corona came in with a lot of confidence, as they should. They got a, a very senior Latin team. Uh, they've kind of they've kind of been there, done that. They're you know a, a returning playoff team. Um, I thought our kids grew up. You know we're very young, um, we're very inexperienced, but um, the fact of the matter is our kids fought till the end, and we had an opportunity to win that ball game. We just couldn't close it out. Uh, it was back and forth mm -hmm. adjustments, um, adjustments, and and more adjustments. But um, I was proud of of the way our kids, some of our kids stepped up and. Um, and uh, competed. Um, that's what we talked about all week was competing. And, um, you know, so hopefully we can just kind of parlay this into um, more progress. And uh, hopefully these kids just understand the process. Sure. And we just continue to get better. I mean, you can't, you know, the big thing is, is, is um, you know, how do you get experience and how do you get older? And that, that only happens. I mean, you can't practice to get older. So right. the only way it happens is, by you know, day by day, day, sure. day by day and, and game and by game. losing is part, it's of, part the of the process. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as we would like to think that, um, um, you know, that it, that it isn't. And, and we're always going in with that opportunity. We're going to win that football game. And, and that's how our kids are, too. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a different beast uh, mm -hmm. for some of our some of our young kids. Sure. One of the young kids, uh, he's a star already, DeMond Williams Jr., QB1. Tell us about him and, heck, where he came from and all that good stuff. He is a freshman. 
Yeah, so um, extremely special talent, great kid. Um, saw a lot of growth from game one to game two and, and look forward to seeing him continue to grow. Um, he's a uh, he's a kid that uh, knew that he had an opportunity to um, uh, to maybe win the varsity job as a freshman here at Basha. Um, and uh, I know that he's a, uh, you know, grew up in, in, in Maricopa um, and uh, has moved since moved to, you know, in the Basha boundaries and, and whatnot. But uh, he's a uh, he's a winner. Mm, he, he's he a winner. And um, he was grow. Absolutely. He mentally was, and physically. Well, the, you know, the, the progress we've seen over him over the last three months has been exponential. Like wow. it's and, and so it's just going to continue to be that way. Like. You know, the kid has has grown a couple inches. He's already pretty, probably put on 20 pounds of muscle, hits the weights hard, and just in that span since over the summer. And, you know, so by the time we're getting later into the season, it's just going to be even more. And then and then with another offseason, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he, he's special. You guys have switched divisions, uh, no longer in the premier division or premier region. The same caliber of football still applies, though. I mean, it's still quality. Instead of Chandler and Hamilton, you're taking on the uh, the Awatuki schools. Just tell us about a little bit of that, just as far as does it really matter who you're playing week in and week out, that sort of thing. Well, I, it doesn't matter because a W is a W, mm-hmm. regardless if you beat Chandler or regardless if you beat Corona. It counts right. as one win. That's right. Um, you know, I will say for, for a school like Basha that's only got 2,500 kids, it puts us in an opportunity where we're playing schools that have like enrollments. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're playing schools week in and week out that have 1,000-plus, 1,500-plus more kids than you, uh, you know, depth is the, is the biggest thing with, with, with football. You know, you got to have depth. And so when you have schools that, you know, for simple math are 1,500 more than you, have 750 more boys – 10% is about the average of males that play football in a high school. That's 75 more kids mm-hmm. that, 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 in your program. that are in your program, yeah. you know, and uh, it makes a huge difference year after year. And so um, it allows us the opportunity to play other schools that might be facing some of those same challenges that we are. The East Valley truly is growing Tell us about just kind of competing, even if it's not necessarily on the field, but with Castile down the road, Higley, Williamsfield, Campo Verde, all of it. It's it's almost, I'm not going to say it's saturated because it's not. It's a wonderful thing, but it's tough. It's really tough. I mean, you forgot to mention Perry, too. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, we've got um, um, in every direction of Basha, um, three miles is another high school that's very good. Um, has a great football program. And so, yeah, you're right. You know, you've, you know, what are you going to do to, to market your program? That's going to want kids to, to come to Basha, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing. And, and, you know, yeah, we lose a lot of, a lot of kids to other, to other programs that are in boundary. And I think we're starting to change that. We have a really, really good freshman class. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, we've, we've got to make our mark within the community as well of, of why Bash is a destination place. For me, it is a destination. I live right around the corner. But as we stand in the midst of this campus, taking the Bear Mile Walk, just tell us about the school pride. This is year number three for you. We're standing by a practice softball field. We walk by the baseball field. 
expanding buildings. Just tell us about Basha High School. Well, I think that um, Coach, or not Coach, but Mr. Lotzenheiser, uh, who, who has since moved on to Higley District, I think he had a great plan in place um, when, when he took the job. And, and this was obviously before he had hired me as well. But I think he had a, a, a great plan in place to connect with the community. We do a lot of projects. Our, I mean, our senior project, I know the kids, they've, you know, they've, they've got to um, um, do a project that somehow connects or gives back to the, to the community. It's called Basha Gives Back. And so I think um, there was just a lot of emphasis on, on not only the academics here at Basha, but on connecting with the community and, and, and garnering that community support. Um, uh, you know, the B in Basha is for bene benevolence. You know, and um, and you know, it, it, it we're trying to practice that. So uh, we have that. We have you know, and then our our, our principal now, um, Marcus Reichel, who was the athletic director here. I think he had um, he has a great vision of the same thing and continue to continue this. Um, you know, no victims, just victors here at Basha. That's sure. what we talk about. Yeah. And um, you know, he's going to continue that. And 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 you know, he. he He's been around. He's been a Basha guy for a long time. So he's he's seen the ups, the downs. He's seen everything. So I think he's got a very clear picture of what what needs to be done. But I enjoy the school culture. Like, the kids are extremely respectful. Um, they're self-motivated when it comes to academics. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the way they connect with um, – our special ed program and some of those kids—it's—it's it's seamless. It's—it's it's really it's really neat to watch, um, the, the how, how the kids interact with everybody. Coach McDonald, thank you so much for your time. Certainly appreciate it. Thank you. And Ralph, as coach explained, just a lot of optimism over there and some great young talent. I was. Uh, this is the second week in a row where they refused to quit. Mm-hmm. That's one of the most important traits that that's you right. can have in a team because eventually that's gonna. That's going to pay off. Correct. You keep knocking, and eventually you're going to knock right through that door. And, uh, I mean, they almost won. Mm -hmm. It was a great game. I mean, it was um, clearly Corona Del Sol had, had the size advantage and had a senior quarterback against a freshman quarterback, which, Chili, I'll let you explain on both teams in a second. But, yeah, they were, they were in it the whole way. I mean, they were up late in the game, and it took – a senior quarterback to go 97 yards to pull a John Elway type scenario to beat them. So this Bears team is very good. And Chili Demond Williams, 11 of 12 in this game. That's all that matters for me. This kid is on point. No, hey, he's special. And, you know, I tried to let everybody know this is a, one of my top freshmen that I've rated um, going into this year. Uh, you can check all that stuff out, ArizonaVarsity.com. Um, Andrew Barney, super talented senior, got good leadership over there. And I think that it's some of that good leadership from like Andrell and Caleb Jones. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Caleb Jones Caden, had that big run towards and, the end, which we thought was going to seal it. Right. Mm -hmm. And and like Caden Camacho, I think all that stuff is what's kind of keeping these games from turning into blowouts. Mm -hmm. um, it's helping them get back on track. It's helping uh, pace Damon Williams and, you know, keep him uh, level. So... Um, this Basha team, it's going to be special. And I've told people, and I put it out there early, that one, I thought Corona Del Sol was going to be a six-win, seven-win team, and I thought Basha was going to be a five-win team. And I know that some of the Basha players didn't really love that projection, but, you know, freshman quarterback trying to figure some things out, 
uh, you're going to take some early lumps and, mm -hmm. you know, I think they can get back on track and they can probably start it, uh, I guess, as soon as uh, this week because, you know, they got a struggling Desert Vista team coming up. Indeed, the Desert Vista Thunder are struggling. It's a great chance for the Bashabir to get that W and I can't really just pump up Chris McDonald anymore. I mean, he was great. We walked a full mile together, just hey. cluing me in on some of the ins and outs of the program. A lot of optimism over there, and they're going to get it done. They definitely are going to get it done. 64 was a big number on Arizona Avenue Friday night. We'll tell you why. Part one, Hamilton handled the Perry Pumas 64 to 22. I'm going to rattle off some numbers, and I'm going to rattle off some names. Nico Martial, 17 of 19. That's it for me. Deshaun Buchanan, the sophomore, 109 rushing yards. I don't care if Max Prep says Noah Schmidt got 99. In my mind, he got 100 yards and three touchdowns. And here's the difference. Nine different Huskies caught passes that night. I don't think any team anywhere has done that in a long time. That That's absolutely um, mind-boggling. I, I, I don't remember the last time... Uh, I saw a stat sheet where a team had nine players catch passes. Uh, I am waiting for I my just man. go back to the last Perry game, whatever Perry game, any week. Quite possible. Possible, uh, yes. Michael Masunas, I'm, I'm waiting for him to erupt with a big game somewhere, uh, the big uh, target tight end. Um, and what, once he does, I think that that's going to be all the difference for Hamilton as they move forward. Noah Schmidt might be arguably the best back in the state. Another Colorado kid uh, coming to town. Just like uh, Day Day Hunter did, he's so special. Uh, he, he, 100 yards or whatever on 12 carries. Mm -hmm. I mean, man, like my guy goes. Uh, three touchdowns. Um, and Nico Markial, you know, everybody was talking about, you know, how well he throws the ball. I don't think people understood how threaty he actually was um, being a dual threat quarterback. Correct. Uh, you know, his dual threat talents. Uh, you know, he's balancing out, you know, throwing for a buck 50 here or a buck 20 here and then still adding, you know. Because what's eight. great is they don't need him to go 300 yards in the air and four scores. And I think he's smart enough to know, like, hey, right. look, you know, I, I don't have to do this by myself. That's right. He's fully bought into, you know, uh, the team thing. He's not chasing all these scholarship offers. He's comfortable knowing uh, what's in front of him. Um, Heck, the scholarship offers are chasing him. Right, 100%. And, you know, he, and he knows that because, you know, sometimes some of these kids get too caught up in, like, I need to have a big game so that I can get more offers and things like that. But uh, that's, that's not Nico. His maturity, I think, is way beyond uh, what people are actually ready for being a 2022 kid. Um, defensively, though, I mean, this secondary is, is, might be the secondary overall with Brady Shuck, Jack Howell, uh, Zach Lewis, uh, and obviously my freshman of the year last year, Cole Martin. I think that this team is special through and through. Mo Sarnowski. Um, it's good. It's you know, a good team. Chandler Davies up front. Like this team, this team is nice. I, I think that this team is nice. Mm -hmm. Back to back 42 point wins. And Ralph, just expand. This team is nice. <laughs> they are. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe they just played Perry. Like that, that's what it comes down to for me. And, and before people think that I'm harping on this too much, nine out of the last 14 games, Perry's given up at least 35 points. That's not what championship teams do. Seven out of the last 28 games, so 25% of the time, they've given up at least 59 points. Do you know how insane that is? That's <laughs> true. I, I, I didn't even say it in jest last week that they are the worst defense maybe in the history of Arizona high school football and I'm talking about a team that scores points. Right. 
So you're actually taking time off the clock. Because it's one thing when you have a team like Santa Rita or something like that that loses 65 to nothing every week. But guess what? They're going three and out. Right. So okay. if you're giving somebody 45 minutes of possession, it makes sense that they'd average at least a point a minute. Perry's played eight quarters this year, and three different times they've given up three touchdowns in a single quarter. Do you know how hard that is to do? In 12-minute quarters. Wow. In 12-minute quarters when you get the ball back and on some occasions have also scored. <laughs> going nuts. They're bad, man. They're bad. And, and I just don't, I don't get it. I get so many messages from Perry parents and Perry fans like, you're picking on us. Not as much as the other team's offense does. I'm giving you a break. At least at the end of this sentence, it doesn't add another six to the scoreboard. This like, is... figure it out. Figure it out. You want us to treat you like a top-end competitor, and seven out of the last 28 games, you have given up at least eight touchdowns in a game? That's two per quarter. I think four of those games, they gave up at least 70, and one of them, they gave up 84. Mm -hmm. You're not the same. You're not the same as Chandler. You're not. So what are you going to beg me for that attention and tell me you deserve that attention and then go up there and give up three touchdowns a quarter? Other teams aren't doing that. Pinnacle, Pinnacle only gave Pinnacle only gave up 64 to Chandler. That's 20 points less than last year's regular season for you. This is true. This you is... gave up 68 to O'Connor. 70 to Desert Vista? What are, you, what are we doing here? This isn't even football. It's not even football. It's absolutely ridiculous. They have to figure it out because they are wasting some of the best offensive coaching in the state over the last five years. They're wasting it because even in those games where I said that they gave up uh, at least 59 points, I think they're like 3-5 and five or 4-4. Four and four. They're still winning some of these games. Isn't that insane? One of those games was like a 65-63 win over Hamilton. Right. That, that wild game. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you can't, if, unless you can yeah. stop somebody ever, you can't stop me from talking about how you can't stop anyone. Figure it out. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it, and I'm sick of getting the emails and getting the messages and having people try to get at you to talk to me about how I talk about Perry, how about how about you skip all that and just make a tackle? 330 yards rushing against Hamilton? What did you think they were going to do? Right. I mean, I'll even go back to that uh, the 84-point game last year against the Chandler Wolves. I believe they gave up 600, well over 600 yards rushing. Which, I mean, it's, it's a tough uh, thing. Right, and, and they controlled the ball for half that game. Because they also dropped like 50-something of their own. They are wasting some of the... And, and that's the weirdest thing for me. Is I want to praise their offense, but they won't let me. Because they're losing. They're losing. They're 7-7 seven and seven over the last 14. That's not championship. You want me to talk about you in the same breath as a, as a Chandler team that's won 35 in a row against in-state opponents? Win a game. Hold somebody under 50 for like a second. It's ridiculous, man. These are good kids. They deserve better coaching. They deserve to be put in a position to actually 
make a stop. Because if a little sister of the poor school can hold a team to 49 and they can't even score on offense, why can't you? Are you going to blame the players? You're going to say it's their fault that you're the only team in the state that can't do anything to stop anybody? What are you going to do? Figure it out. It's ridiculous. Hashtag facts. I mean, you know, I'm looking at the bright spot for Perry, I mean, Can't obviously on, on, on the offense, uh, Dane White has been a very, very pleasant surprise, I think, for everybody. Um, 12 for 17, two touchdowns, six touchdowns in two games um, against top quality competition. Like, he doesn't get the opportunity to, like, try to run these numbers up against, you know, a lesser school. Mm-hmm. Um, started off with Queen Creek, who I believe is an open team. And then has Hamilton, which is obviously an open team. Um, I think Dane. I think Dane White's looked really, really good. Um, Peyton Day had a solid outing versus Hamilton. Uh, the running back had 75 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, against Hamilton, I, I, you know, I saw I saw him against Queen Creek struggle. I think he was hovering around like 60 or 55 yards. Um, but man, Cade Berger. You know, he's, he's still doing his thing. He is. No, he's receiving, to play. One touchdown. I mean, offensively, you know, 57 points in two games against Queen Creek and Hamilton. I mean, hey, at least they got 57 points because I know a lot of people that didn't think that they'd be able to put points up even this year, you know, with the quarterback changes and all that stuff. But Dane White's done an admirable job just uh, stepping into that role and embracing it and, you know, even hearing all the whispers and stuff. Like I said, he just does does it his way. And, you know, I can appreciate that. And things don't get any easier for those Pumas as they'll continue to play on Arizona Avenue and take on the Chandler Wolves that we continue to talk about in a different stratosphere from everybody. I mean, yes, those Chandler Wolves and back-to-back-to-back-to-back state championships, 64 nothing winners over the Pinnacle Pioneers. I don't know what to say about this team. Mikey Keene, 16 of 19. Eli Sanders, 132 last week. He adds another 213 this week with four scores. Nicholas Nedbit, excuse me, Nicholas Nesbitt finding the century mark for the first time in a little bit with 123. Honestly, fellas, what can't this team do? First shutout of the year, and they've scored in 15 straight quarters. I mean... Yeah, they can I, do yeah, it all. I don't know what to say. I, right, I watched the game online. Chili was there. He'll be able to tell you more. Um, it was fun to watch Eli Sanders go off mm-hmm. the way that he did. Um, the speed was just ridiculous. But even I felt like... Well, I guess what impressed me about this game is for about a quarter and a half, it was like, oh, Pinnacle is trying to punch them right in the mouth. They're really trying it. Um, they couldn't move the ball and all. It was just a speed issue. It was, it was a massive, massive speed issue. Um, but Pinnacle did not, in my opinion, play scared. And then it just didn't matter all of a sudden. And uh, it's weird because two out of Pinnacle's last three games, they have got absolutely destroyed. And it was two games where they came out and looked kind of competitive. Mm-hmm. When the wheels fell off, right they in the really end. fell off. And it happened against Sal Point at the end of the mm-hmm. year last year um, in, in the playoffs. And then, you know, it happened again, obviously. Um, and it's it's been an interesting time for Pinnacle because, you know, they lost their quarterback to a hard shoe and then had to sure. move on to a freshman who is now a sophomore. Um, but uh, Chandler doesn't really care. They don't, they don't care. Um, 
if if you got an excuse or a limb, right? They're or, coming for you. I mean, it's, it's gonna uh, be the it's gonna be the same no matter what, and um, it makes the victory after after Liberty shut out Red Mountain thirty to nothing. It makes that opening week win look a little bit more impressive than it did because I watched that game as well, and it was like, oh, Chandler ran out of gas a little bit after that initial huge push. Sure, they struggled a bit, and <laughs> what it might actually be is that Liberty knows what they're doing. Um, I just I it got to the point in this game where I, I just felt bad for Pinnacle because I really felt like they went out there and gave it a shot, and it just didn't matter. And what it really made me think was we have two teams that might as well get it over with and have them play now because they're just playing a cut above everybody else, and that's that's Hamilton and and, and Chandler. And yeah, this is a podcast that started off by covering no. Hamilton <laughs> and Chandler and Perry and Basha. It just worked out that way, mm-hmm. you know? and and you know this is a year when those two teams are as good as I've ever seen them, and it just feels like a collision course, and everybody, they're just going to snack on everybody the entire way. I agree, Chili. You were there. Tell us uh, a firsthand look at the Wolves. <laughs> I mean, it was it, it was a it was a joke. It was uh, you know I know Pinnacle's better than that, and I don't know I don't know what they could have changed or whatever, but. It wasn't like a, it, it, it was a joke. Um, not like a Dane Cook joke, not like a Dave Chappelle joke, but like, it was just crazy. Um, what I was watching unfold was absolutely bonkers. Every year it seems like on defense Chandler has somebody that's kind of, you know, uh, very, very slept on, very, very, uh, I feel like uh, slighted, even by the media to some extent. Uh, two years ago it was Miles McNair on the defensive line. Um, Last year, I felt like it was Kyler Orr getting lost between uh, Tate okay. Romney and Malik Reed, who I still think sure. Kyler Orr is a very special player. Uh, definitely could be like a low power five guy, high high FCS kid. Um, and I know he's committed to Air Force. Um, this year, it might be Frankie Morales, this safety. Like, he hits like a linebacker. Uh, he floats everywhere. He's always in the right spot. Um, just funneling people, um, funneling offensive players to wherever that defense needs that offensive player to be. Um Tony Brewer is is freakishly like long at six four, and he's a different type of safety hybrid that Chandler hasn't really had because we're used to seeing them with you know the uh, safeties floating around like five ten six foot or whatever. Sure. Um, so he's long and he can come down into the box and make hits on running backs. And man, this defense is uh, it, it's it's it you know. In perspective of everything, I don't think it's as good as last year's defense, but this defense is very, very good. I think that I, I really think that this Chandler team is the best team in the nation today. Today, will this change three weeks from now? Possibly, but as far as I can see today, from what I've seen on film, and I saw the IMG game on television uh, versus Duncanville. Duncansville de- definitely doesn't impress me. And IMG's cool, and I know one of the kids over there, just like we all do. Um, this Chandler team, I, I think, could beat them. I really think this Chandler team could beat anybody in the country. Line them up, let's play. I, I'm saying it's 50-50, at least. At least 50-50 if it's not 75-25 Chandler. Um, these are all kids that, like, for the most part, know each other and have played together for a while, whereas, like, some of these other big schools across the country, like, they've been recruited and they're hired mercenaries. Um, what Garretson is doing over here, just continuing uh, what Aguano has uh, kind of built, and Garretson is part of that foundation. Yes, oh, so that's very, the one thing. The continuity has been 
Amazing. They have not Coach, missed a beat at all. Coach no, Chick. Coach Chick keeping that offensive line always intact. And they got they got some dudes up there and they're gonna say that I don't respect them and and I'm I'm with it. Like I, I love all those kids. I think that they uh, really put their heart and soul into it. Keon Graves is such a special receiver. Mm -hmm. Um he wants to set records. Mikey Keane. Um, I was one of the few media members before last season to say that Mikey Keene was going to be okay. Don't worry about Mikey Keene. If Mikey Keene was the worry last year, then you have nothing to worry about. Like any media member that was like, well, we don't know how the new quarterback's going to be after Conover. No, trust me. The quarterback's going to be fine. It, that, that's not going to be the problem. So, like, I, you know, man, th this team is loaded uh, at least for one more year. At least for one more year while these 22s turn to seniors. Um, they got a lot of talent. That cupboard is not even close to empty yet. No, it's good. It's uh, Chandler Wolves definitely, I'll say, top five in the country for me. That's for sure. Certainly. I think Max perhaps had them as the number one public school and number yeah. five overall, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm de definitely in the upper echelon of everywhere one could possibly be. In oh, overall, and shout out to uh, CUSD. They gave me a Gator. This is like my first Gator ever. I showed it on the two piece yesterday. It's kind of cool. I never had one before, so now I have one. And and see, just, I'm going to say I got mine before Chili got his. Oh, yeah? So, yes, only the color schemes match our respective skin tones. Oh, okay. So, yes. Okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, but, nice. yes, we, uh, we're, both, uh, we're both in that same ballpark of it's our first Gator. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. who better to get it from than the CUSD? Facts. Good this stuff. Facts. Absolutely. Fellas, as always, this has been great chopping it up with you. I mean, I think our takeaways are, well, Chandler, different stratosphere. This Castile team is on the verge of a very, very good season. Clearly a big battle against Queen Creek. Basha certainly on the rise. Um, ACP, uh, Valley Christian, they've got some good things going. And hopefully we can see a W out of uh, Seton Catholic. Well, what are the chances we see three Chandler teams in the open between Chandler, Hamilton, and Castile? Ooh, that's, uh, right now I'm going to say more than 50-50. Okay. Right now I'll okay. say more than 50-50. I'd say Castile can probably only afford one loss, and um, their schedule does not get easier at all. This is true. Um, I believe they have Chaparral, who's hungry and hasn't even got to play yet. Um Speaking of which, what's what's the story with Hamilton That's this week? Have something they I'm the week off? Yeah, I Hamilton do. hasn't been able to find a game. Yeah. Their JV picked up a game versus Desert Edge, which I'm super excited about. Except they have to go all the way to Desert Edge, but I think it's the first meeting between the two teams, and it's kind. Of, I, for whatever it's worth, I think it's going to kind of gauge what Desert Edge is really like competitively. Because like, if their JV team gets completely smoked by Hamilton, I think we know that the talent gap is like way way big. Which you know, I think everybody kind of has that idea, but. Um, Desert Edge is super talented, super well coached at the varsity level. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of hoping that this uh, Hamilton team and this Desert Edge team, I'm hoping that, you know, we see a score like 28 to 21 or something like that. Just, to, you know, either way, either way it swings. I mean, now know, is that really. JV game on Thursday? Is that it, it is on Thursday. On it is on Thursday. Thursday. Um, but yeah, Hamilton has not been able to find a game. I know that they actually uh, reached out to um, Pinnacle mm -hmm. and Pinnacle declined. Um, they, Pinnacle gonna, was off this week. They've, yeah, Pinnacle's okay. off this oh, week, oh, wow. um, and they're gonna they're gonna maintain their buy. Um, I had heard a lot of things. And That's just to, disappointing. Just, just to clear, well, just to clear some things mm -hmm. up. Initially, uh, I heard that both schools wanted to be home for the game because uh, money's an issue, gate receipts are an issue, or something like that. Okay, um, understood. I found out later 
uh, that Zadebski was down to travel wherever. He'll go to he'll uh-huh. go to Pinnacle, he'll uh-huh. go to South Point, he'll go to Utah, wherever the team has to go to get their games in. And he's even willing to accommodate on his lower levels. So the reason it's important to say that is because for Hamilton, it was really about making sure the kids got the game rep. Absolutely, sure yes. No, I'm all for that. Minutes, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, and when you can get a game, play a game. I mean, you're 100%. already... Two games short anyway this year. Right. So if a team is willing to come to you, and again, each school has their own reasons and all that sort of stuff, but it's disappointing that Pinnacle actually had a week off and a team was willing to come to them and they declined. I mean, four weeks stuff ago, happens. four or five weeks ago, wasn't it just about like, oh, we just want to have the season. We want to play no matter what, anybody, anytime, anywhere. And so, yes, now I, I totally Ooh. agree. Um, I, I, I get why Chaparral didn't want to take the game because they only had two days to... Sure, no, and that's, uh, that, that, that part that I was different. Yes. That was different. Um, but, yeah, like you said, if you, we've known for a while now that Pinnacle wasn't going to play because South Point backed out on them So um, because they had a COVID sure. situation. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the solution is, and I don't know. Like, based on that line of thinking, I don't know how many more games will get canceled and then not be right. able to be made. I mean, that's, so. uh, that's kind of our thing that we've been saying Online, offline, everybody mask up, do the right thing. You clamored all summer long about, oh, these kids aren't going to get to play. We're taking this away from them and this this and that. Do the right thing and wash your hands, sanitize, do everything you possibly can for number 14, number 12, number 88, whatever your son wears and all the other sports. Do the right thing and try to help prevent COVID the best way you can. And shout out to the team of schools because they've done. They've oh, they're they still have. in it, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, any cost that they've paid so far is because you know um, somebody else is Correct. is going through this. And again, we can never blame the kid because you never you never know. Right? They get it from like if if you're in a situation where your parents are forced to go to work. You know, and they get it at work and then they come home and they don't know because you're, I, I, what, from what I've heard, you're most symptomatic before you ever uh, show any, any, or you're most contagious before you ever show any symptoms, Makes you know. Sense. And I'm just, I'm telling you right now, in the very, very rare event that you don't know anybody who's been on the bad end of this, both my in-laws are going through it right now. My father-in-law's secretary is hospitalized. It's still around. It still sucks. It's incredibly stressful. Cases my, are rising. Yeah, and my, my kids just want to see their grandparents, and they can't. And it's just, it's it's a miserable situation to be in. So control what you can control. I know for a fact we have some schools. We got some parents on the far southeast valley who are not doing that, and um, and and have sort of shown. Um, a wanton disregard for some of the rules that are put in place. And now mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Santan Foothills, whole school gets shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Gilbert Christian missing games. Yep. Um, that's mind, not when you, you miss games, you're missing potentially three games. Like we're seeing with the Chaparral thing. If you go into a 14-day quarantine, you potentially may miss three games. Yeah, of depending an eight, on where it's on, caught. Right. Depending on when it's caught. Of an sure. eight-game season. So, I mean, you are putting these kids And I want, I want to give sympathy to every parent who's thinking, like, this is overkill, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it yeah. is. But guess what? Like, you, you <laughs> got to be safe. Buckle up, Buttercup. This is how it is now. Exactly. Honestly, if you're a parent, you're, you're a part of the team. You're officially part uh-huh. of the team. You know, if your kid plays, you're a part of the team. So, like, I get it. You have to go to work and you have to go do things. But, like... Dude, do you really need to go meet up with your friends at like the bar? And That's the biggest thing. Like that, I mean, right? we're still seeing way too much 
I don't want to say unnecessary socializing, extra socializing that doesn't have to happen. Yeah, and I'll say this because, you know, I, I want everybody to have the regular experience that, that has made high school football so special. And one of the worst things about this is we've taken the environment away, which really plays a huge part in, in what makes us love this game. Yes. Um, but, you know, I was talking to somebody who's on our staff who went to a pizza place after a game in week one, and there's four head coaches there from all different teams. Four. And staffs and other parents and everything like that. And, like, it's just not a regular time. You can't treat it like it's regular. You, the head coach is going to be the one to, See, that's not even cool. to put everybody in, in that situation because you just don't know. Have we overreacted as a society? That... I, even if you say yes, it doesn't matter because the current rules state that if you have right. a positive test, you got to lock everybody down. So don't let it be you. As much as I've crushed Perry on this podcast, I still want to see them go out against Chandler mm-hmm. and give it a shot. Correct. I want to right. see them go out there and try to earn people's respect as one of the top teams in the country. You know, Absolutely. because that's honestly, that's what they could be if they get their crap together. And, and like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not hating. I want to see it. I want to see everybody thrive, everybody flourish, everybody have success. And unfortunately, the situation that we're in right now just doesn't allow for, for anything other than compliance and caution. Correct. No, you're absolutely Even right. if you're sick of it. And I'm sick of it, man. I'm sick of being at home. My kids not being able to see their friends, mm-hmm. not being able to see their grandparents. Sure, no, that's a tough scenario. But the, uh, the one thing we can definitely say is the three of us, we are going to do the best we can. And God willing, we'll get together next Wednesday and uh, talk some more football and hopefully not talk about any cancellations. In the meantime, this has been the C-Town, Pod- C-Town Rivals podcast presented by BQ Enterprises, covering all of your legal needs from A to Z.